Hi, podcasting from New York. They say if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. This is Pushing Boundaries. Most of today's commentary on complex social issues is binary, unproductive, and flat-out lazy. With this podcast, I'm looking to hopefully elevate these conversations, and as a lifelong educator, hopefully learn a few things along with you. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Come on, man, it's just politics. Don't take it personal. Let it go. I know that happened to you today. It's unfortunate that you lost your job. It's just politics. Mm, you didn't get that promotion? It's just politics. What happened there? How come you didn't get a chance to present your material during a uh, team meeting? It's just politics. Did you hear how that person spoke to you today? It seems like there's something there between you two. Like there's a personal matter there. But you know, don't worry about it. It's just politics. Don't worry, they fired out the entire team today. There's a changing administration. You know how things go. It's just politics. You know, you've been sitting in that chair for a long time, and you haven't seen any promotion. Although you're doing all the work that you can, and you're the most productive member on our team, but for some reason or another, you just keep getting passed over. I don't know, man. It's just politics. What is just politics? Is it just that simple? No, it's not that simple. In fact, it's just politics is extremely complex. There are so many nuances in it's just politics, that statement, that we have to discuss today. I've set it up into five areas of concern or interest. Um, one is un the unspoken culture, the beliefs and values, the ethics, barriers, and external influences that lead to it's just politics. That statement, that notion, although it sounds very simple, is very complex. No one is exempt from it's just politics. We all have to confront it in one way or another, in both a positive manner and a negative manner. It all depends, but all everything goes in cycles, and eventually we all have to engage it's just politics. That's part of like the human civilization. That's the part. That's the part in terms of how we live together. It's the it's the it's the the personal nuances of people, and competition, and getting ahead, right? And motivations, right? And it's it's it is just politics in a very complex way. So let's get into our topic. Let's talk about the unspoken culture of it's just politics. One of the things that we understand that we're going to. Um, any environment, and we talked about this in the workplace culture, we, t we touched on this. There are many different things that are happening in an environment that dictate whether you belong or not. The most simple, um, the most simple thing that dictates your success is your dress code, right? Depending on what environment you work in, the dress code is very important just to say that you belong and that you've accepted the norms of that environment. So if you're working in a, an IT or tech company, a progressive tech company, you may find yourself in jeans and T-shirts and sneakers. 
If you're working in a corporate environment, you might find yourself in a suit, a dark suit, white shirt, and a tie, dark shoes. Depending on if you find yourself in an educational format and you may be in a classroom, you might find yourself in a more of a casual wear. If you find yourself in educational administration, you're going to find yourself in more, <clears throat> uh, more formal wear. So it all depends on your work environment and dress code. That's the entry point of that work. The other thing is that when you walk into this environment, you have to understand what are the spatial agreements. Where's your spot in this place? Where do you fit as the newcomer? Right? So where's your workspace? Are you sharing a desk with someone? Are you sharing a phone? Those nuances are going to dictate how, you, how well you get along in your work environment, especially if you have to share resources at the same location. When and how do you speak in your work environment? Right? So initially, when we go in any work environment, my best advice is to observe. Don't go in there talking a whole lot. Just observe what's happening around you. Understand the nuances of people that in your, in your space, outside your space, how people are moving. And really just understanding just the physical space around you. The other thing is time on task. You got to take note of how the pace of the work around people around you, right? And so... If you find that most people are working around you in a very leisure, leisure fashion and you go in and your time on task, then you create an, you, you become an anomaly in that work environment and then eventually you're going to stand out. I'm not going to tell you what, what, what could happen, what could come out of that right at this point, but you're definitely going to stand out if you're not moving in pace with the, those around you in regards to time on task. There are celebrations that happen in, in, the, uh, unspoken, in, in an unspoken culture. What are the celebrations that are uh, do's and don'ts? Sometimes the holidays are not acceptable in certain workspaces, and sometimes there are. Uh, family engagements, christenings, and, and um, uh, new births, and, and marriages, and, and you know all of these nuances depends on the work environment, so you have to really find out what is, what's celebrated and what's not celebrated. What's shared and what's not shared? How is it shared? And how is this communicated to the body around you? Um, and this is also based on quiet observation, um, maybe asking some questions already in terms of before you begin to engage in those activities. When you walk into a work environment, no one, no one can really operate outside of themselves. We come into work environments with our own beliefs and values, how we're raised with our own parents, any religious institutions that may influence you or not, um, your friends and the way you were raised, your educational experiences, your environment, things outside of your home, in your neighborhood, all of those influence your beliefs and values. So when you walk into a work environment, we're coming in with this baggage or this load of information or this, this, this way of being, right? It's like a balloon full of air, but instead of it being air, all of, these, all of the air particles represent a value that you have. And when you go into a work environment, that balloon is being exhausted or you're losing the air in that balloon and it becomes part of the a bigger, a larger balloon. And so whatever comes out of that balloon has to somehow fit into the new environment that you're engaged in now. And so some of those particles that come out of that, uh, that cooperation are what, is the, what are the physical characteristics of the people around you? What's happening with the people around you? You know, because you can go into an environment where um, I remember working as an intern 
at the controller's office, New York City controller's office. And at that time, I was an engineering major. And I was, you know, I was doing, I was working with blueprints and, um, you know, we were, we were looking at urban planning, but I was at the very entry level. And one of the things that I had to do is I had to count the, um, the traffic lights, not the traffic lights, but the, um, the street lights in particular neighborhoods. And I had to count, they were like every five lights or every three lights, there was a sensor that um, detected when it was light outside and when it was dark. And I had to detect, I had to check to make sure that those sensors were every three lights, every five lights. And that, and then after that, I had to follow up with were they functioning. And that was pretty much the job. And so a lot of it was checking on the infrastructure throughout the city and determining if things were functioning the way they were supposed to function or they were installed properly. This I found to be pretty boring for me. That 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 I, I couldn't do because what I found myself doing is sitting at a desk, blueprints and counting lights. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of things on a blueprint, but my job on a blueprint was to count lights. And every three lights count to make sure there was a sensor and then go out and take photographs of it to make sure that it was working properly. That was my life. Now, when I looked around my office, I saw people um, falling asleep at the desk. I saw people, you know, fueling up on coffee to stay awake. You know, I saw blueprints with uh, uh, cup cup lines on them where they had little circles where the coffee, I guess, spilled on a on, on blueprint. And it became like a... a an, for me, it was it was in a place that I felt like I was I was, I was stopped. Things had stopped. I stopped moving it, you know, in terms of time. And, and when I walked into this space, nothing moved. Right. I was dealing with an infrastructure that was outdated and obsolete. But that was the space that this work was in. And so for me, that didn't work for me because I I didn't couldn't connect to the way people worked in that environment, and I couldn't connect to um, the, 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 the quality of, not the quality, not the quality of work, but the style of work in that environment. Right. Um, and so that was difficult for me. Um, the other thing is when you walk into an environment, a lot of times we take interviews, we go on these sites, Indeed and all these other sites, Monster, and we, we apply for these jobs and often than not when I, you know, which makes me upset is when people come to interviews and you ask them and say, what do you know about the company? You know, me as, 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 hiring multiple people, uh, many people in my uh, career, and you ask them, what do you know about the organization? And they don't know anything. So it's like, you know, first that tells me you don't really have a real interest in this job and it's just a job. And there's no, it doesn't connect to your passion because you haven't self-diagnosed and made a connection to what this job can be for you. And so where's the work, where, how does the work become meaningful for you in this, in this organization? And, and so how am I going to inspire you to be the best that you can in my organization? So I don't really want to deal with that. So one of the things we have to do, and, and, for you, and on the other side of it, is you can walk into an, uh, uh, an organization like I just uh, shared with you and not fit, right? Now, I could have saved myself a lot of time in terms of interviewing and then, you know, um, sitting in this capacity for many years. Thank God it was only an internship. However... Many people don't do the the uh, the, the, the uh, prior research. They go into these jobs blind, and they sit in these positions for too long. And we just talked about in the last uh, episode. We talked about work. Uh, uh, I quit, and we talked about uh, um, workplace culture, right? In the previous episode, so those two are connected here and that. So you need to preview and study your organization before you enter an organization. Know as much as about it as you can. Also, look at reviews about the organization. Is this an organization that people like to work for? Those, you know, those are anonymous, right? And so you'll see, you can see stars on Indeed. You know, you can see, maybe you can follow up 
and uh, look at those previews and see if this is something that you want to do. The other thing with beliefs and values is you're going to have a lot of, there's going to be a lot of conversations that happen between people in the job site. People are going to have different political opinions. They're going to have different religious opinions. They're going to have different values. And you're not going to agree with a lot of them, right? And but, you know, that's that's being human, right? The thing is, you, you know, at, at times, you know, we have to, we have to stand for our values and we have to, we have to, you know, set the record straight and we have to maybe make a point. But then there are times we have to choose our battles. Right. And we're going to get more into this, why we have to choose our battles later on in terms of how to fit into um, a workplace. Right. And and it's just politics. Right. Because it is politics. And there's there may be an overall um, value belief system in organization that you're not aware of. And so when you speak out against it then you could come into direct uh, conflict with that organization. So you have to be very careful with uh, when, when you choose to state your, your values in an argument. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, we have to always try to stay connected to our employers, to previous employees, to former employees, to the current employees. So if you're connected to a LinkedIn or your Facebook, you know, it's not, you know, when you walk away, you don't just cut off. Um, that connection and that communication, you keep those lines open because you never know. People move in organizations. It's just politics affects everybody in the organization from the head of the organization to the person on the lowest uh, point in the organization. Everybody's impacted by that, so you never know when you're going to be up or when you're going to be down, when you're going to be middle, when you're going to be in a new position, when you're going to be the, the guy that was in the middle management and now you're in the upper management or the guy that was at the bottom who's now up, uh, you know, the, the lead uh, CEO for an organization, and then those connections that you have, people remember you because they can reach you, right? And so you want to keep those open. That was number one, unspoken culture. That was un number one, unspoken culture, and we spoke about beliefs and values, all right? So let's go to ethics, right? Um, when we walk into an organization, just like we're being observant about the organization, the, observant, the organization is being observant about us. When we walk into the organization, your style and appearance and what comes out of your mouth is being observed, is being recorded to make a general, to, to make a general, or make assumptions or develop the perceptions of who they think you are. Now, you got to be very careful with this. You have to be strategic in shaping how people see you. The message that you want them to see, you have to narrate that. You have to be the architect of that intentionally. It doesn't, it's not made up randomly. You have to make sure that this is how you want to be seen in this work environment. So the, one of the easiest things to do is to stay professional. Watch what you say. That means, you know, I'm, I'm talking about profanity. I'm talking about, you know, um, you know, things you may see on your phone or what opens up in your phone when you open your phone. I'm, I'm talking about your dress code. I'm talking about um, how you move in your space. I'm talking about your manners. I'm talking about basic things. Stay professional. And really what meaning, what staying professional means is that you don't want to be intrusive on a neighbor or your neighbor or your work buddy. You want to make sure that you can live in the same space without becoming a burden or a nuisance to the person next to you. That's what staying professional is about. It's, 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 it's reducing the amount of discomfort for the, in, the, in the people around you, right? based on you being in their presence. The other thing with the ethics is you have to try to be careful with the gossip. Now, gossip, you have to engage in the work environment. You know, it's, it's, it's impossible to stay out of gossip because when you stay out of a gossip, you, you, you kind of say to yourself, I don't belong 
right? And if you don't belong, then conversations happen around you, and then also you're the focus of the gossip, right? And so gossip is influenced, everybody's influenced by gossip, and not only that, but gossip touches everybody. Now, your role in the gossip has to be strategic. You're not the, you, you should not be the one issuing the gossip or sharing the gossip or authoring the gossip, but you can be the one hearing the gossip, and you can you can offer some corrective like you know that's a that's you know you can make a comment like wow that's wow that's that's I didn't know that that was amazing I didn't realize that wow I'm troubled to hear that you know things open ended things that have no judgment because if you say something that has judgment or um, you have a strong opinion about that gossip you've just added to that that tale of the story you've added to the phone the phone line and then that gossip is carried to somebody else and when they begin to investigate. Your part of that narrative is is going to be identified. And so depending on where it is, you're going to find yourself in a lot of trouble. Now, I've learned my lesson in this in, in um, years of, of, of work, you know, and how, you know, I've said things that, that, that kind of came back to bite me. I didn't mean to say it. It was just an open conversation. There was more to the conversation, but the conversation was taken out of context. An example of that would be uh, uh, the whole thing with um, uh, Kobe Bryant right now, right? With uh, with Gail, you know, uh, you know, she she said a portion in her interview, which is still inappropriate in terms of asking a question, but she asked her, she raised a question that was taken as a clip and, and given to the public, and then it, it was taken way out of context, and her message as as a whole is being lost because the question that she asked was offensive and it was inappropriate and it was untimely, right? And so. You have to be careful in terms of where you are in the gossip. It's gossip is going to happen. You're not going to be able to avoid it. You're going to be a part of it. But what part do you play in it? Another thing in ethics, you got to help, collaborate. If you want to be helped, you have to help. So those people around you who are working on projects and 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 they need support. You you got to jump in there. You got to help. If somebody says, you know, I need you to show up to an event because I'm doing it, and I need your support. And they, they may just need support because you're from the same office and they're doing something, so you should show up. And because the, the t- tables will turn and you'll be in a situation where you need support and you need people to come out for you. So if you're not coming out, you're not supporting, and you're not engaging processes with your colleagues, then they won't engage processes with you. you find it very difficult to move agendas and you find yourself standing alone often and not. And so that's something that you don't want. So you want to make sure that you always consider the team player and that people can rely on you, not be used, but to be supportive of your your members around you. Um, and then try and, you know, we, you know we have ambitious people in our lives, right? Ambitious uh, co-workers. But your ambition, you have to be careful where your ambition plays out here. If you're constantly stepping on others and stealing credit and sabotaging the, the, uh, the work of others and undermining and elbowing your way to the top and, 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 and in terms of access with the boss... And you're stepping in the way of people, and you're and you're discrediting discrediting your peers, and if you're engaged in behaviors like that on a frequent basis, then what's happening is everybody's looking for an opportunity to engage you the same way. And so, like I said, what up, what comes up, comes down. And so, there's moments when either leadership changes, or the of the external politics of an organization changes, or the external politics of a government influences a corporation or organizations, and those things can change and shift the power struggles within an organization and the people that were once your equal can be your your, your your supervisors. People that were once your supervisors can then make it become your peers. And so depending on those relationships that you have, because the, 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 whole, the whole name of the game is creating alliances in the work that you do. 
as many alliances rather than enemies. We're always going to create enemies. Enemies are easy to come by. But how many alliances do you have? And, and not, more often, not often than, than uh, not, you want to make sure that you have more alliances than you have enemies. Um, and then, so we spend our lives doing that in our, in, our, in our personal lives, in our professional lives, ensuring that we have alliances. We want to be safe in the things that we do. We want to be supported. And then we, want, we don't want to constantly be looking over our shoulder in terms of who's out to get us. We want to make sure that we have enough eyes around us that will alert us so that we can just live a natural life and look forward. Number four, barriers. There are a lot of barriers to it's just politics. And sometimes, sometimes, you know, um, you know, there, there are periods and opportunity where we have to we have to position ourselves for something bigger. And so we have to be somewhat aggressive and we have to be somewhat ambitious and we have to position ourselves in our work. So a lot of times, you know, people will go into, you know, we talk about politics. They don't want any part of politics. So they go into an assignment. They keep their head down. They do their work. They're highly efficient. They come in. They go in. On, they, they come in on time. They leave on time. They get the assignment done. They do what they're told. This is the perfect performer. And then you hear the stories of this person being let go. And then you hear the stories of this person being looked over for someone else who got promoted. Then, then you hear the stories of this person not being acknowledged for their services. And then you hear the story of this person losing their voice. And so we know what that leads to for that person's productivity on, on a job. We know what that leads to in terms of their feelings about their work. And also there's a, there's a the, uh, uh, the, the pride in their work and the feeling about those around them. And so you cannot allow yourself to be invisible. You have to position yourself to be bigger than you are. You have to position yourself to be present. Right. And how do we do that? We do that by not doing the things that are only uh, we're efficient in, but we do the things that are difficult. You know, showcasing our struggle is very important on a job. It takes away the perfection factor. Right. People that are perfect on a job don't win. Nobody wants to see perfection. Nobody wants to be compared with someone who's all perfect. We want to see people struggle around us. So that's a shared it's a shared effort to to be successful, right? That when nobody is perfect and, and and out of perfection, you know, when you have the masses around you that are not perfect, they creates it creates one, it creates jealousy, and then it creates sabotage. And then so your your rate of success then begins to, to become diminished because big people begin to find ways to highlight your imperfections. And so it's important that you do the things that are difficult because one, it stretches you in terms of it, it, it get diversifies your ability to do the work. It also shows that, you know, you, 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 your rights of passage, it makes it public and it, and it showcases your struggle and how do you deal with struggle, right? Which showcases things for upper management who may want to promote you, right? Or, or in a business, right? And, and if you're in any business or you're an entrepreneur, you can't do anything, especially as an entrepreneur, you can't just do work that's just comfortable for you. An entrepreneur has to constantly take risk and push the boundaries and engage things that are not easy, Right. Things that are difficult in order to expand their services, their business, their brand. Right. And so those are some barriers that we have to confront. The other thing is we have to be strategic in moments. Right. Situations are constantly changing in the work environment. Um, and because, you know, they're, they're, the environment is there, their merges. We know that the with the with the changing uh, environment route with an environment now in this country with. 
you know, corporation standalone businesses where there's an exchange of services or a direct interaction. We know those things are dying in this country. We know that and we, when we see Macy's closing, we see JCPenney's closing, we see Kohl's closing, and we see, you know, Toys R Us closing. You know, we see these big department stores that had a direct interaction. We now see banks going to um, online banking and, and getting away from the brick and mortar. And I said, we see things change. If you're sitting in situations where you're a teller in a bank or, you know, you're working as a salesperson or sales rep in, in, in a department store or you're a, um, some sort of designer in terms of you, you um, dress the mannequins in, in department stores or you set up sections and you notice that they're, they're, you can see the writing on the wall that this is dying, that this is no longer going to be there. What are you going to do next? What is a strategic What is a strategic decision that you can make? to change your outcome so that you don't get swept away with everything else as it changes, right? And it becomes obsolete so that you don't become obsolete. How do you how do you act strategically in the moment? How do you get on this new thing that I'm reading the book called uh, Membership, right? It's something called, uh, I've got the, the title of the book, but it's about taking subscriptions, and we talked about that in a former episode, the subscription era, uh, or get your hands out of my pocket. How do we how do we take the, the, the subscription era or the now with now that we, we we're paying to play, how do we take that and create memberships, right? And be, and belonging because people are now belonging not directly in each other's space in the physical space, but people are now belonging on online platforms, right? In online communities through subscriptions. And so, how do you switch the dynamic for you in a brick and mortar situation to becoming more like what's coming in the future, right? So that's what I mean about being strategic in the moment. And, and, and looking at seeing those barriers and getting ahead of it. The other thing is see opportunities, and that speaks to kind of the last one, is see opportunities before they come, right? So the opportunity is if there's an opportunity that you see that it's time for you to move your services to another part of the organization, or it's time for you to position yourself because your voice is needed at that moment in the organization, then you have to take advantage of that. Those moments of those opportunities, those doors open and then they close very quickly and then you have to wait. It's like this this cycle of time that you have to wait, and so doors open, and it's your time, and you have to you have to be ready to walk through that opportunity. You have to be ready to present yourself and to push your idea ahead. Right? Those are things that we have to worry about, um, not worry about, but we have to be strategic about um, when we see barriers. The external influences that affect um, it's just politics or local policies. Right? What's happening in our communities? What's happening at the this, you know? Believe it or not, you know politics are politics and they do have a uh, they play a factor on what's going on right so if you have a business and there's eminent domain your business may not be there anymore if you got a barclays like in brooklyn that comes up in a community and you you know it's an opportunity that it's coming in 10 years do you position yourself with with some sort of store or business in a in a locale of that of that uh stadium yes you do right and so but those local policies and urban planning influence what kind of businesses you, you create, right? Um, and, and, and how that works. Local policies influence if Amazon was able to come to uh, New York City. Unfortunately, it didn't work out, but Amazon found another way anyway to come to New York City and do their services without, um, you know, New York City oversight. Um, there are unforeseen circumstances that affect, uh, you know, uh, employment or jobs, and politics, right? The unforeseen circumstances are companies go out of business. They're going out of business every day, right? Because of the changing narrative or the changing environment, the changing demands or 
of how people want services, right? And how they want products, right? And how, what their demand is. And so those are unforeseen circumstances. If you're in, in, in agencies or, 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 or um, public entities, you know, you know, we know that, that when there's a new mayor, which is local policy, when there's a new mayor, all the commissioners have to reapply for those jobs, right? And some stay and some don't. And when those who don't stay, their cabinet, they have to go. And so when they go, that's an unforeseen circumstance. So where are you in that politic, right? And this is how it's just politics begin to happen, right? Because if you align to the fir to, to the former leadership, you're no you're no longer in alignment to the new leadership, and therefore your position is unstable. This is the same as in politics, in just just pure politics. But this happens in companies all the time. This happens with mergers, you know. Um, your environment, what's happening in your environment? We know that you know today's environment. There's gentrification happening, right? In certain environments, that is going to change whether you're su the success and failure of your business, the type of business. So, if for instance, if you're a bodega in a gentrified environment, and I'm talking about a gentrified environment that's becoming more expensive to live in, if you're a bodega selling the cigarettes and 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 the junk food and those, what people are not going to shop there because you have a more conscious buyer, right? And so that store most likely going to go out of business, and that storefront is going to become a Whole Foods with glass and organic food. Right, and so though the changing environment also is going to change whether the success and phase of your business. It is just politics, federal policy. Federal policy. I mean, what what's what's the incentive for small business owners in certain areas, in certain places? What's the incentives for uh, uh for transportation? What's the sense the incentives for policing? Depending on your line of work, all of this has an impact on your success and phase in that environment. Right. Your, your, your ability to communicate, uh, not to communicate, but to um, commute freely, your ability to uh, to uh, run a business and then deal between states in, in your business, depending on your type of business. And so all those external influences will have an effect on your ability to exist. And it's all just politics. Now, you know, a lot of times we wonder and we have question marks about what happened you know, I was to, yesterday. I was I was the the VP of my organization, and now you know they're pushing me out. And you know things come in, and and you know the things come in in like trends and not trends. I should say, um, you know, there's like there's like a um, it comes in shifts. Things come in shifts, right? They constantly, you know, our, our lives are constantly changing, and our environments are constantly changing. And the key is to be adaptable, but also be present and conscious about what's happening around us. Nothing is forever. We can't put our head in the sand and think that we're going to do this forever. You know, we know that the college game is changing. We know that, you know, coming out of college, you know, there was, it was a guarantee that one time, oh, you know, I'm college educated, I'm going to get this job. But we know that coming out of college anymore, you're not necessarily going to get a job, right? Because the policies have changed and the demands for business has changed. And so how does that translate between your education and the connection of, you know, your connection to employment right and so very unique it's just politics in a very complex way not very simple but very complex it is just politics you know for me the the equality the equivalent to that is just politics it means you know for me it's it's just complicated it's complicated all right um i want to i want to take you know end this with um some learnings right that we can take away and apply to um, sustain success for ourselves. Now, no one, again, no one 
will be exempt from no one will be exempt from um, it's just politics because things are very complicated, right? But I'm going to give you some strategies. And the first strategy is that we need to be socially competent. We need to have the ability to be present, right? We can't be spacey in our heads. We have to be able to read our environments. Our environments are constantly changing. When there are new members in the environment and new policies and new leadership and new, you know, you know, the environment of change, locations, all of that matters in terms of you being socially competent and able to be adaptable and relevant to that organization. You, you don't expect to be managed, uh, not, don't expect to be liked by all in the organization, but be able to be cooperative, be able to collaborate, right? So you have to manage those dynamics of not being liked and being liked by some. You have to manage those dynamics that you can exist and that it's not a love-hate situation and, and that you have some, you have sabotage and you have this tension there for people not wanting you there. But you have to, you know, it's like we, we agree to disagree, but we're going to be uh, socially respectable to one another. And then you have to always, this is how you can have a check on yourself. You know, one of the articles I read, and I'm going to give you the reference at the, end, at the close of this podcast, is that we have to avoid the social, we have to avoid uh, the boss conversations, right? You know, people say, you know, they'll say, ah, oh, you know, the boss is, you know, he, he you know, he, he's, you know, he's leadership style lacks in this area and he's, he's inconsistent and, and he doesn't, you know, he's, he's insecure about, and when you engage that and you take partake in that, you don't know if you're being set up. Right. Just to receive an opinion about how you feel about the boss. So you should keep those things to yourself. If you got something to say, to, if you got nothing nice to say, they don't say it at all. Because I'm sure that information that you say out there becomes goes to the gossip mill. And then when they check, when they do the fact checking, your fact checking, your name will come up and attach to that comment. And so it doesn't do you any good in terms of your work environment, because then it becomes it's just politics. So what you need to do is do something called a social media check. Now, you know, this is hard to say because if some people put inappropriate things on social media, right? But if you're in the game and you're ambitious and you're trying to get it, you have to do a social media check. And what that means is that if you can't, if it's not something that you can show publicly to the world that won't impede on your success, then don't say it in the work environment. So that's the social media check, all right? Number two Interpersonal influence. You have to be able to engage and navigate multiple personalities in your work environment. Right? You have to be able to communicate openly with multiple people, although you may not like them. But you have to get your point across and you have to get things done. You have to collaborate. You have to engage. You have to move projects forward. You have to network. You have to move your agenda. So you have to be able to have and interpersonal influence. People need to know you and feel connected to you, and you need to be able to have people that you can call on to get things done. You have soft alliances, and you have strong alliances. Soft alliances, people that really, you know, don't care for, but you can call on them, and they will cooperate to get something done, all right? Um, you have to also be able to network. Number three, network. You have to be a networker. You have to have the ability to be present in spaces, in public spaces, and, and not only in public spaces, but also on social media. Because the thing is, people have to remember your face. It's not about a resume. It's not about your job performance in terms of what you do on paper and how productive you are. It's about if they remember you in that room. If they remember you in that room. Because a lot of times, when people want you for a position, you may not even be qualified for the position, but they just bring you in the room because they liked your energy. And when they bring you in the room, they say to you, 
you know, I remembered you from such and such event. And then the conversation begins about, okay, this job is looking for blah, 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 blah. And then you have, and then it's like, well, I have discipline. Well, well, don't worry about it. We'll train you. And they make it possible for you to get that job. And that's how things are working now. Things are working in that way. Things are not really driven through a resume. You know, that's why mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't understand how people, you know, they, they're moving through. I don't understand the first one, online resume game, right? You know, because online resume game, it's, it's, it's difficult unless you have, unless you go through a resume company that really can design a resume that speaks to who you are and they can really lift you your personality into that resume and, and you and you can get a sense of that person. Very difficult to get picked up by a resume. So a lot of people that start at the entry level resume and they sending and, and they send their resumes to companies like um, retailers and they send their uh, resume to um, to uh, like Home Depot and places like that. And they ask you to send this online resume and it, no one gets picked up, right? Most people don't get picked up. People who get picked up are the people that walk into the environment and say, I sent the resume, my name is such and such, make up a conversation, have a dialogue, make a connection, develop some chemistry, so that when that resume, that resume begins to be, there's an alert on that resume now because they remember they make a connection between you, the person, the real person, and that piece of paper. And then they remember, and then all of a sudden you have an opportunity. But a resume without the real person behind it, um, it's no good. Number four. We have a long life of work ahead of us. At the end of the day, you have to be able to accept yourself when the day is over. Can you look yourself in the mirror when the day is over? Are you be, are you becoming or acting like someone that you're not when you're at work? Now, we have to adapt and we have to play the politics and we have to, you know, be aware of our environment. We have to network and we have to get along and we have to constantly uh, uh, shift and shape ourselves to fit in. Yes, but don't be a monster in climbing the ladder. Try to always lead by example. Be someone that you want to look in the mirror when you go home. Be somebody that you're proud of, that your family can say, I'm proud of you. And that when you when they look at you and you look at yourself, you can say, I'm proud of me too. And number five, avoid predictability. When people are predictable in work environments, when the organization has to shift and, and they have to lose people or they have to make, they, you know, they have to lose people. Now, they can lose you just do layoff and they just be nice about it and naturally say, listen, I got a layoff. 30% of uh, the, the company and they take 30%, but it doesn't really work like that. They lay off. So if you're predictable and they can pretty much, they, 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 can, uh, they, they know um, how you're going to respond to certain situations, they can really design a way to push you out, right? Because you're very predictable. And so if you're, um, if you're the first kind of person that, that is, is very nuanced in terms of they, they're, you're a taskmaster, you, you're, you're routine-based, and you do that all the time. Well, one of the, one of the things a company can do to, to offset your productivity is just create inconsistencies, right? Take away your routines, you know, create dynamic situations that would cause you to think on the spot. And then all of a sudden, you're not successful, right? And then that's a, another way to push you out. And so you got to avoid predictability. You got to be flexible. You got to be adaptable. You got to be able to think on your feet and you have to be able to adjust, right? And so when you find yourself doing the same thing over and over again, you got to change it up. You got to change it up. You got to constantly change it up because you got to kind of be like sort of like um, social media. You got to kind of be like a YouTube or or, or, uh, Instagram or Snapchat. You have to be, no, let me say Snapchat. You got to be Snapchat-like, right? You have to constantly be reinventing yourself 
And when you become stagnant and, you, and you're predictable, then you know that you're coming to a conclusion that's probably not going to be positive. And so constantly think about how do you reinvent yourself. You know, it could be the way you, you, you could change your, your, uh, your wardrobe. You could um, position your, your, you know, your, your desk a certain way. You can engage in certain meetings or go to different networking opportunities that you've never gone to. Or you can um, make sure that you, you interject in a meeting a certain way that's so that you're present. You have to figure out where that predictability um, where do you kill it in an organization? Uh, that's something that only you know, depending on what's happening. And number six, you have to document everything. Take nothing for granted. Document everything. You never know until you know. And the only way that you know is when you have it to show. And so that closes out our um, podcast for today. For today, it's just politics or it's just complicated. I want to give you uh, some of the references for this work. Uh, it's www.forbes.com. Uh, the topic is 10 Things I've Learned from Workplace Politics, uh, hbr.org, uh, Office Politics Isn't Something You Just Can Sit Out, themuse.com, Why Avoiding Office Politics Could Hurt You More Than You Know, uh, The Huffington Post, uh, 10 Workplace Success Tips. Uh, these are the uh, research items or the items that I use to uh, speak to today. Um, you can read the articles yourself and uh engage them more deeply. Uh, there are other articles that are similar to them. And thanks again for listening. Thanks for listening to Pushing Boundaries. Once again, my name is Sharif Rucker. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do me a favor by commenting, subscribing, and sharing this podcast with everyone you know. All of these things are free and take very little effort, but would mean the world to me. Thanks again and stay tuned. Thank you.